Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast, Baseball Family. This week we have Silver Sluggers, Platinum Glovers, and a season wrap-up right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together Podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast, Baseball Family. As always, I am Brad. However, Brig is out this week, so we are joined by a good friend of the show. We have with us Jason, primarily of the Not Another Sports Podcast. Welcome, Jason. Hey, hey. How you doing today, Jason? Uh, I'm good. Busy day. <laughs> uh, but it's hanging always good to there. wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> hanging in there, yeah. Always good to wrap it up talking with you, though. That's that's awesome. I'm excited. I mean, I think we're gonna have a fun episode today. Uh, we got some got some good stuff going here. Thank you for stepping in and uh, taking over. I really appreciate you filling in for us this week. Of course, you know, I'll, I'll, if I can do it, I'll be there. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's get into this. Okay, first things first. We have silver sluggers have been announced. Okay, so. Last week, I, I went through and talked to her. Last week, two weeks ago, whatever, I went went through and talked about who the nominees were, who guys were, uh, who the guys were who were up for these awards, but they've been announced. So, Jason, I'll go ahead and go through and uh, and read this off, and then afterwards, we can talk about it, see if there's anybody who you felt like wasn't necessarily, necessarily deserving or somebody who may have been left out. All right, here we go. We have American League at catcher, Salvador Perez, first base, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So, I have to pause real quick. Every time, so I listen to Dan Patrick at, like every morning while I'm working, and they have this running joke that one of the guys was talking about uh, Robert Griffin the third, RG three, yeah. But he called him mistakenly. He called him Robert Griffith Junior the third. So because of the cadence of his name, every time I read Vladimir Guerrero Junior, I want to say Vladimir Guerrero Junior the third. Had to get that out there. So when it happens. There is a reasonable explanation for what just happened. It's okay. good to get ahead of those things. There we go. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm trying to do here, Jason. That's what I'm trying to do. Okay, second base, we have Marcus Simeon. Third base, Raphael Devers, Briggs' favorite player. Uh, shortstop, we have Xander Bogarts. Outfield, um, we had Teoscar Hernandez, Aaron Judge, and Cedric Mullins. Um, uh, designated hitter, of course, as we would all expect, Shohei Otani won that one. Uh, over to the National League. Jason, your favorite player, catcher Buster Posey, <laughs> won this one. <laughs> First base, we had Freddie Freeman. Second base, Ozzy Albies. Third base, Austin Riley. Shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. The third. Outfield, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, and Juan Soto. Uh, pitcher, we had Max Freed. Was the winner there for the Silver Sluggers? Was there anybody there in particular for you, Jason, who you thought maybe shouldn't be with that group? Uh, let's let's start there. Uh, I mean, looking at the at the group, I, I think I actually think everyone's deserving. Um, there's no brainers. There, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is a no brainer. Marcus Simeon, no brainer. Freddie Freeman, no brainer. Like, uh huh. If you pay attention. These guys all make sense for for winning the Silver Slugger this year. Yep, they do. Uh, the only one that I had a question with was um, Xander Bogarts. Um, sometimes I I feel like those guys in those big markets like Boston and New York get a little bit more love than maybe they deserve. I like don't get me wrong. Xander Bogarts had a, had a fantastic season. He is a great player, um, but I felt like Carlos Correa. I said it last week. He had the kind of year you would expect a guy to have going like in a contract year, right? He was auditioning for every single opponent he saw, and he played out of his mind the whole year. He's absolutely outstanding. But how much of that is is just that current stink of the Astros? Well, I feel like he was above and beyond it, though. Like he, this was a different Carlos Correa that we saw. Like he was on like not just like. The, the free agent to be tour he was on a big time fu tour as well <laughs> you know like they're like that was a big part of it too is because um alex bregman was hurt for a lot of the year jose altuve had a pretty i think he was a little bit below average for himself um compared to how he has been but correa like 
he was unreal. Absolutely unreal. So real quick, I have some stats to compare here. Um, just what they give me for Bogarts. He had 23, 23 home runs and 79, 79 RBIs. Um, Correa had 26 home runs and 100 and, oh, sorry, 92 RBIs. Um, Bogarts had an OPS of 863. And uh, Correa was 850. So a little bit lower there. But higher in the other areas, and if those if that's what they're going to show, and that's what they're going to compare, I mean, I and I am like a staunch Astro hater before <clears throat> the whole sign stealing thing, and but I've gotten to kind of like Carlos Correa. I kind of like the ego and the attitude. You know, it's kind of fun. Baseball's baseball's a game. It's supposed to be fun. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> but. But no, like I find I'm surprised that I'm standing like sitting here defending Carlos Correa. But at the same time, like I feel like he was more deserving than Bogarts. I think you're making a good case for why he does deserve it. Um, clearly, those involved felt the other way. Yeah, I guess so. And it might have been the whole anti Astro thing because I don't see any Astros on here anywhere. And what's interesting is this now puts him. In uh, an interesting category because this puts him closer to Jeter, A Rod, and Cal Ripken Jr., who've won more silver sluggers at shortstop than him, but he's like the next in line. Uh, Bogarts, yeah, yeah, it is. It's a rare spot for him, especially. I mean, this one thing that's one thing that is crazy about the shortstop position right now is that at the all star break, a lot of Mariners fans were really upset that JP Crawford didn't make the team. And I was like, J.P. Crawford's a really good shortstop. But shortstop is so, so deep in the American League right now. That's a tough position to make it in if you want to be an all-star or first-teamer. Because, I mean, it's like, and the I think the comparison that I made was like guards in the NBA in the Western Conference for a long time. It's like, golly, why did my guy not make the all-star game? It's like, <laughs> because you've got Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Steve Nash. You know, like it was so deep. It's like. Where does he fit? Where does he fit on that? Because those are all you, Hall of Famers ahead that, of him. That Crawford's a guy I saw in person playing in the minors when he was in the Phil system. I have not forgotten about that. And I think the Phillies every day during the regular season when I see J.P. Crawford take the field. Because he's outstanding. <laughs> I think I think in his case, he's one of those guys who, who did better with a change of scenery. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen his numbers uh in philly and here and like jerry depoto specifically said he's like he's gotten a little bit better every year offensively but where he makes his money is defensively because he was a runner-up with the gold gloves this year he won it last year you know like that's where he's going to make his money for his career he's because he's awesome he's so good defensively. i mean comparatively as far as moves the phils have made where the players have done better i would compare him to michael bourne who was a Phil's player who they shipped out to Houston in, in the mm. Brad Lidge deal, actually. Oh, okay. Wow. And he, he's far from a household name, but he was a heck of a player for the Astros when he was playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's go on to platinum glove award winner. So for those of you who are not sure what the platinum glove is, this is the best defensive player in each league. So there's, Every position um, awards the best player at their position, a gold glove. And then the best among those is given the platinum glove. Uh, This year, Carlos Correa got his first platinum glove. And Nolan Arenado was awarded his fifth, his fifth platinum glove. And uh, to me, that fits. I mean, that's perfect for him because he's the guy you would expect to win that. Um, I haven't, I don't feel like I've seen any um, degradation of of his defensive ability. I mean, if you're on Instagram or Facebook, you're going to see Nolan Arenado highlights just about every night, you know, he's doing something every single day that most guys in the league can't do. So I think that's a big deal for him. It is, you know, it speaks highly to his abilities and the only reason Colorado had buyer's remorse was the, the amount of money they gave him. Cause you know, they're, it wasn't his play on the field. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, it certainly was. Well, he's the thing that's crazy. He's is that he's only thirty and he's won five. That's how long he's been that good. Um, I will say this though is that there was somebody. There's somebody in the A's organization. I can't remember who it is. Uh, it was it was like two years ago. They said this. He said that Matt Chapman was the best third baseman he's ever seen, and he's played with Nolan Arenado. So that I thought that was like the highest of praise you could give anybody. Right. <laughs> he's given to Matt Chapman. Although you know, he did kind of have a down year this year. I think he was dealing with some injuries. But at the same time, he is a highly sought after player this offseason because the A's are having a fire sale. The A's are are getting rid of some arbitration eligible players, and Matt Chapman is high on the list of guys who are uh, sought after. Speaking of of this offseason, it, it seems like it's going to be a flooded market this year with the amount of teams who, who didn't extend offers to players who you assumed were getting offers. Uh huh. It's, it's crazy. And that, that could come into other things we talk about tonight. So I don't want to get too far ahead of anything. Well, let's go, let's go ahead and, and go there right now. I mean, I think we've kind of wrapped up the platinum gloves. Um, I, I saw a headline that talked about how Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, are both expected to sign with new teams before the collective bargaining agreement expires at midnight on December 2nd. So as soon as the clock strikes midnight and it's December 2nd, that's when it expires. So, uh, and both of these guys were extended qualifying offers by their teams. I believe that's a one year, $18 million deal. Let me look that up and verify that one year, $18.4 million offer. Um, they ha- they have until, uh, November 17th to uh, accept or reject that. And once they reject it, like they're expected to, they are going to be free agents. So that'll essentially give them two weeks from that point to sign with a new team, which I feel like is pretty quick given what we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they will, especially being Boris guys, you know, like, we know that Scott Boris can get a deal done if he really wants to, but he's not one who's typically going to rush into a deal because he's going to try to squeeze every ounce of blood out of the rock that is a major league organization, right? Something I, I've, I'm seeing, and it it actually makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, Brian Cashman has been quoted as saying that the Yankees' payroll has has latitude, that they have wiggle room to make a big splash. Mm-hmm. And then I'm seeing that, you know, these guys are being linked to the Yankees right now. That's mo- more than likely where they're going to end up. They could. Um, well, and, and so there are other Yankees teams thing to do. <laughs> it is a Yankees thing. It is a very Yankees thing to do. And it's why everybody <laughs> hates them. Um, but this is the thing too, is that the Rangers have specifically, specifically said that they're going to increase their payroll by a hundred million dollars this next year. The Mariners have said they're increasing payroll this next year. That uh, this is the first time Jerry Depoto has had basically freedom to spend, and they've said that they're going after Marcus Simeon, like he's their big target. Timeout. Increasing payroll does not guarantee wins. No, it because doesn't. the Phillies just finally had a season over five hundred. It doesn't. But what it does <laughs> is it. No, it, and it doesn't even it doesn't even guarantee com- competition, like being competitive, right? What it what it does is it. It shows the fans that you're willing to put forward the money that it takes to try to be competitive, though, right? Because we've seen the Yankees in the past where they spent all the money in the world that they had that was available, and they won a World Series. We've also seen them fail to win a World Series doing that. We've seen teams not spend any money. The Rays, the A's. Every single year, make almost every single year, make the playoffs without spending any money. The Rays made it to the World Series last year without spending any money. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win, but it's almost like an act of goodwill telling your team that, like, we're all in on this, that we're willing to spend the money to bring in an impact player if we have to and give them a max, you know, quote unquote max contract. So it's not really a thing in baseball, but it's, it's more of an act of goodwill, I think. And, in this case, the fact that you're like, we will negotiate with a Boris client, that's a pretty big deal. Because if I'm not spending money, I'm staying away from those guys with a 10-foot pole, at least. Yeah. And so I mean, I, 
What, what's I think it's more symbolic Seager. than anything. But sorry, go ahead. No, what's funny about Seager is um, on the Philly Baseball Together pod, Tori and I were literally just talking about how he's the guy we kind of were hoping the Phils would sign. And that's probably not happening. <laughs> well, you know what, though? Like, this is the thing is it depends on who you talk to about the Yankees getting a guy because Yankee fans think they're going to get everybody. Like, I saw I saw on Twitter today. I don't spend a whole lot of time on Twitter, but I, was, I tw- happened to be on there today. And 90% this, of Twitter is it, for any topic is a cesspool. So we got it is, it is. But this, I feel like this is like what you're getting from fans though. Still is that some guy, he tweeted out this picture and it was like my, uh, my proposed Yankees starting lineup for next year. And they had, um, what was it? It was, um, they're like trade for Soto's it right. Let's say it's Soto and right field judge and center and Gallo in left. And then they had um, DJ, Lem- DJ LeMahieu at third, Seager at second, Simeon at, sh- at set, or, sorry, uh, Seager at short, Simeon at second, and Freddie Freeman at first. I'm like, dude, like, there's not even enough money in Major League Baseball to do that, much less on your payroll. And like, it's not realistic. Like, those guys aren't going to take discounts just because so they can go wear pinstraps and play for the Yankees. It's not a thing. It's not a thing anymore. It's not a thing, and a lot of guys are really happy to stay where they're at. They are. Like I could see, I could see the Braves being like, you know what, Freddie, we appreciate you. You're our clubhouse guy. What do you want? And by all accounts, he has stated I, he wants to stay a Brave. He doesn't want he to has. leave. Yeah. And it, <laughs> that could be one of those things, though. Like, I want to stay a Brave, but at the right price, right? In any professional sport, that's that can always be the case. I I mm-hmm. hate Freddie Freeman for being a Philly killer, but I absolutely <laughs> appreciate and respect him as a player and just as a person. He seems like a really great guy. Um, as I say, you hate Freddie, but you love Frederick. Oh my God! There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Two different people, basically. I mean. <laughs> oh, that, that killed me. That's good. That's good. <laughs> but, but anyways, no, so I saw this list. Seeger, like I said, Seeger and Simeon were included on this. And it included guys like uh, Max Scherzer and Carlos Rodon, who are both uh, uh, clients of Scotty B. And then you've got Robbie Ray, Clayton Kershaw, Kevin Gossman, and Marcus Stroman, who are not Boris clients, who are also expected to sign, which... Most of those guys are impact players. Um, I don't know how much of an impact, impact player Stroman is these days, um, but he kind of had that stink of the Mets on him. Um, but I'd still take Kershaw, even at his age. I would love to have Scherzer. Like, having a pitcher in your on your staff of Scherzer's caliber, even um, even Kershaw's caliber. Like, I know he's, like, taking a dip and everything over the last few years, well, but I would say, love to have those guys on my with staff. Kershaw is the injuries is mm-hmm. how yeah. long can he stay healthy? Um, you know, just looking at, at, at my favorite team, the Phils, mm-hmm. they, they definitely should invest in another starting pitcher. Um, I've seen everything as crazy as they're going to trade Nola to the Yankees for Gallo. Cause Nola's on the decline. Um, I don't know if I'd want an, an aging, no matter he's great. He's a great pitcher. Not saying he's not, but I think there's injury baggage that comes along with him that if you're truly a competitor and you're going to be in October, you're probably going to sign him. But I don't think he's someone of a team like the Phils who are still trying to figure out how to get back to October. Well, so this is the thing too, that I think it's funny. It's like, Nola's a good pitcher. Like I can appreciate that. Um, but at the same time, like it would kind of, to me feel like it's uh it's the same kind of thing as like the Andrew Heaney deal like Heaney when the when the Yankees traded for him my first thought was like okay first why would you trade with the Angels to get a pitcher of all the positions that you could trade for with the Angels like everybody knows that that the Angels don't have good pitching like that's their problem you know, <laughs> why would you take one of those guys? And he came to he came to New York and he stunk. And I don't know how Austin Nola has been, or not Austin Nola. It's it is Austin Nola, 
right? Aaron Austin's his brother. I I know I get them mixed up all the time. <laughs> like I, Austin used to play for the Mariners. Um, so Aaron Nola, um, he uh, I, I mean he's not a bad pitcher, right? He's but, had some issues the last few seasons. I has mean he, he he definitely has a September issue, um, mm. but this year was really bad. And there's been so much turnover in the coaching staff of the Phils that I'm sure that plays a role into it. Um, it might. Some guys just struggle in September, though. Like you say, Kikuchi for the Mariners this year. He, I mean, he was an All Star. He was he was named to the All Star team because he had such an outstanding first half. But it's because the Mariners went with a six man rotation, and the plan the entire time was after the All Star break go back to a five man rotation, and he stunk to the point that he did not make his last start of the season. That Tim Anderson, not Tim Anderson, um, Kyle Anderson. Golly, I'm drawing a blank now. Anyway, Anderson for the Mariners went on three days rest instead of Kikuchi on full rest. Like that's how bad he got at the end of the season because he was, uh, because he couldn't handle the the grind into September. So Nola is a career uh, three point six eight ERA pitcher. Uh, this past season he was a four point six three ERA pitcher. Uh, he went nine for nine. This was not a good year for him, and he was coming into this season as. He was still considered the Phil's ace, and I think it was his his job to lose, and he he lost it to Wheeler. And, and Wheeler had a fantastic year. There's a reason he's up for the Cy Young. Um, albeit his kind of late season struggles when the Phil's were struggling, he still, everything he did up to that point, I think negates that to some degree. Uh, but Nola was a, a totally different pitcher this year. And Sorry, Tyler Anderson was who I was drawing a blank on before. Tyler Anderson. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with these guys going into um, this crazy offseason. Like, the CBA, Brig and I have been talking about this for like two years now, that this is going to be a mess. I was actually surprised at how many guys did did hit the market. I think I saw 200. And some of those guys were guys who didn't play this season, right? But they haven't officially retired. So they're still free agents, whatever. Um, but I was, I was really surprised at some of the guys who opted out of the last year of their contract who did not accept the qualifying offer. Because to me, when a CBA expires, there's instability. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. And I, was, I texted my buddy Jewel about it. He's been on here a couple times with us. He's been on the Seattle Baseball Together podcast with me a couple times. And he's like, dude, why would they? They're talking no cap with the salary floor. I'm like, well, yeah, but they also haven't reached an agreement. Like the deal breaker could be the cap. And then you got a bunch of guys who are taking pay cuts so that teams can get under the cap. Right. And it's like you're you're playing kind of playing with fire there, thinking that maybe you're going to get a, a massive deal because there's not going to be a cap. But then there's also a risk of there could be a cap and then or even like a maximum contract and they're they're chopping it down you know they're not going to do 13 years 450 million dollars anymore like Mike Trout has so or it's a tremendous risk i would have stuck i'd have stuck it out i, I mean the guys. risk the risk also could be with a long contract cuz a lot of guys are, are want the long contract now it's mm-hmm. going to be all backdated back end pay it could be yeah yeah well, and this is one thing that i thought was really interesting was i was reading this article uh it was talking about the cba um, and it was saying that the average length of a of an MLB player's uh, career has gotten considerably shorter over the last 30 years. That the average amount of service time that guys get, like it was down to like a little over four years, uh, about 15 years ago, I think is what it was. I'm trying to find it exactly. But within the last two years, the average amount of service time that guys get it was a, a little over three years. So guys have a three-year window to make money. Right. And the problem with that is that you've got guys like Mike Trout, Fernando Tatis, Bryce Harper. Um, your top your top level earners are taking a bunch of money from these guys at the bottom line. But the problem is that you've got agents like Scott Boris who are like, no, these guys, they deserve to make as much money as they're willing to be paid. But then these other guys at the bottom – they're all stuck making the minimum, which you know is nothing to flick your nose at. It's like five hundred sixty million dollars, five hundred sixty thousand. Yeah, it's a five hundred sixty thousand dollars for a year. It's like I would do a lot to earn that money just for one year, you know. 
Well, now uh, we know what you would do for a Klondike bar. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but still, though, like, like this is the thing that's frustrating is that you've got like a lot of people who are arguing on behalf of these top earners. Like, well, there's so few of those guys. And I understand that there are guys who are getting big fat contracts who deserve it. But at the same time, you've got to take care of your low end earners. They're just not going to even care. Like there's going to be a major problem. So anyway, no, you're um, right. So, and one last thing on the CBA before we go into our last topic here, uh, I, I actually saw, I saw this additional graphic talking about uh, previous work stoppages. So there's been eight before this year. Um, when we're certain there's going to be a lockout. So in 72, there was a strike, lasted 13 days, and there were only 86 games lost. Not a big deal. And then uh, 73, 76, both 70 or 17 days on lockouts, no games lost. A strike in 80, uh, that lasted eight days. There were no games lost. In 81, there was a strike that lasted 50 days. Uh, 713 games lost. Now, this obviously is not like that's the year where they where they ended up splitting the season and the first half season winner played the second half season winner to go into the World Series is I believe how they did it a very because minor that, league way to solve things because that was that was the year that the Expos were predicted to win the World Series or was that was it eighty no eighty one because eighty 81. was when the Phils won. Right against the the Royals, and I was not alive mm-hmm. for it, but I know it off the back of the, th- the back of my hand. You want to know something funny, real quick? This is completely unrelated, except for the fact the Phils won the World Series in 1980. So the <laughs> other day, I follow Baseball Reference on Instagram because I'm a nerd, and they tweeted out a screenshot of somebody's Baseball Reference profile. All it was was accolades and jersey numbers, and so. um so show their accolades and one of them was the 1980 world series and on baseball reference when they have their jersey numbers it has like kind of like a of like what it would look like when they're when their jerseys retired in the stadium right like the circle with like right this one was red with pinstripes i off the top of my head i didn't know who won the 1980 world series i was not alive back then so i was sitting there looking at it i was like 1980 world series that looks like uh that looks an awful lot like a Phillies jersey. And I was looking at the other accolades. And uh, and so, sorry, I'm trying to pull it up so I can get exactly what they were. Because <laughs> there was, Jason, I'm going to I'm gonna be honest with you. I was really proud of myself in this moment. So I'm going to brag a little bit. But it's so it said three-time All-Star, or, yeah, three-time MVP, 12-time All-Star, 1980 World Series, 10-time Gold Glove, six-time Silver Slugger, World Series MVP and Hall of Fame numbers 22 and 20. And I said, you know what? That looks like that might be Mike Schmidt. So I looked it up. Bang. 22 is his minor league number. And apparently what he wore when he first made his debut. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So So. I was partially right about how they did the playoffs in 81. So it was the, for each, each division in each league, it was the first half winner, second half winner, they played each other. So for the for the AL East, it was the Yankees in Milwaukee. And then the West, it was Oakland and Kansas City. The East, it was Philly and Montreal. West, it was LA and Houston. Okay. And that's something that a lot of minor league teams, will, like uh, minor league leagues will do. Because you have completely different team from the start of the season to the end of the season. So it gives teams a chance who were Which really good. ton of sense in minor league ball. It does. Yeah. But anyway, so back to this. And there was another strike in 85 that lasted all two days. Fantastic. That would be nice if that happened here, but I don't think it's going to. And then in 90, there was a lockout that lasted 32 days. Then the infamous strike in 94 that went went on for 232 days. And we lost 938 games. Uh, and then now here we are on on the precipice of another lockout john Heyman with mlb network he said management source on the state of cba negotiations as bad as i've ever seen it prediction two and a half months of pain and what's sad about this is there are still a lot of sports fans who are still very bitter about the lockout in 94 mm-hmm. 95 yep 
Brig talks all the time about how his father-in-law stopped watching baseball until he came into the family. And now, you know, it was probably through one, almost 20 years. It, you know, not watching it, baseball. I was 10 going to be 11 during that time frame. It took me a while to get back. Did it? Because it just did, took baseball away from me, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember I was eight, and my dad and I were watching Sports Center. We watched the last team. They showed the last team get off the field, and they're like, "That's it for baseball this year." And my dad explained to me like what was going on, and that there wasn't going to be a World Series that year. And I cried as an eight-year-old, being like, "No World Series!" Like I had just come off of watching the Joe Carter home run, you know, while I was while we were getting ready to move our family, <laughs> and then now this is like, oh my gosh. You know, it's crazy. So I really hope that they can figure something out because it's going to be really bad for baseball. Um, I have, We have our obvious issues with Rob Manfred, and we don't have any confidence in his ability to reach a reasonable, like a resolution in a, in a reasonable amount of time. So we've been really <coughs> Bob pessimistic. Costas. <coughs> Bob Costas. Well, yeah, you know. And the thing that's unfortunate is that the guy who deserves the job is the one who doesn't want it. Yeah, I know. So... <laughs> But anyway, all right, last thing here before we go into a break. Uh, the Giants have extended Max Kepler and his Gabe biceps. Kapler. <laughs> Gabe Kepler. I don't know why I said Max Kepler. <laughs> That's weird. Um, the Giants have extended <clears throat> Gabe Kapler and his biceps for two years. Now, you're more you're more familiar with Kepler <laughs> than I am. Um, go ahead. Kap- Kapler is not an East Coast guy. I mean... And that's something we talk about on on uh, the NASPOD a lot, not on their sports podcast, NASPOD for short, anyone listening. Um, we talk about how East Coast sports fans and teams and media is an entirely different beast from everywhere else in America with sports. And Gabe Kapler is just not an East Coast guy. And he stuck out like a sore thumb. He made a lot of really odd moves his first year as a manager in Philly. And I don't think he ever recovered from those odd moves in the eyes of the fans in the media. He tried, and I give him all the credit in the world. Um, but I can tell you right now, as a Phillies fan who regularly reads Phillies Nation, um, there's a bunch of them. This ball's out of here, and the Reddit and the Phillies subreddit. Everyone was predicting he was going to eventually end up with the Giants at some point because hmm. he's close to the to the Giants GM. He's close to the Giants owner. He's he's someone that they they wanted, but they just couldn't get at that time. Um, so everything he's doing in 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 San Fran makes sense for San Fran. It makes sense for Philadelphia. It makes sense for San Fran. He fits there. He's clearly having an impact on those players. That's great for him. Mm-hmm. He's not my cup of tea. But that's cool. You know, I, I don't like tea. They do. <laughs> so good for them. You know. <laughs> Well, and it's a little bit closer to the source, I think, for his coconut oil as well. You know, just being See, on the you know what? There, I should have so. said I don't like coconut oil, but you know, <laughs> I was on a roll. <laughs> it's not my brand of coconut oil. That's fine. That's just fine. I like avocado oil, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, like you said, he's a perfect fit for, this, for the organization, perfect fit for those players. They He did an ex- outstanding job this year, outplayed everybody's expectations. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but, man... Speaking of T, have you ever watched Ted Lasso, Jason? No, and I really should because I'm fairly certain I'm going to like it. You will um, love it, first off. It's outstanding, hilarious. Because um, I know he, he does the what's up with that dance in it. So Does he? I haven't seen that part yet. But anyways, no, the thing that I think is funny is that like I hate T. Like, absolutely hate it. And so he goes in his first day and the, and the owner of the football football team you know offers him a, a cup of tea he goes yeah let's go ahead and try it and spits it out he's like i'm gonna be honest with you that tastes terrible tastes like dirty water not gonna drink it <laughs> and then like into the second season uh she uh she goes to offer him another care to give tea another try ted oh no no we're on a lifetime hiatus <laughs> <laughs> like that my man he gets it it does taste like dirty water teas i like iced tea well, to each his own. Anyway. Mine's got to be prepackaged and more than likely from Arizona tea, which is not from Arizona. So, well, there it's you from go. New York. 
All right, with that, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we will wrap up the 2021 MLB season. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I never get back with me. Root, root, root for the home day. Don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game shop kids baseball strips at nineplusss.com the non-their sports podcast is the home of sports talk for everyone every other week you can catch david and jason as they talk about all things sports from current events to classic moments and everything in between you can find the non-their sports podcast on anchor.fm spotify apple podcasts stitcher podcast addict and more please don't forget to subscribe rate and review welcome back baseball family uh, jason and i are going to go ahead and wrap things up sorry jason i almost called you briggs <laughs> i wish i was as handsome with a full head of hair like briggs so I am so jealous of his salad, like so much. It's it's bad. That it's is bad just it's beautiful hair. <laughs> he he could be is, in commercials with that hair, honestly. Good. It is flowing and lethal. All right. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. So Jason and I are going to go ahead and wrap up the 2021 MLB season. Um, we're going to talk about surprises, letdowns, uh, some of our favorite moments, and really just. Anywhere else this conversation tends to take us. So, Jason, what was your biggest surprise this season that you saw? Um, my 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 annoyance with their fan base, notwithstanding, I was I was really surprised by the Nats fire sale because they still had that core unit from 2019 that won a World Series. Mm-hmm. That blew me away. <clears throat> I was really surprised by that too. I couldn't believe it. Like. Uh, the trade deadline, just like so and so traded from the Nats. So and so was you serious right now? Like I know they weren't winning, but still, like you're gonna trade Trey Turner for that and Max Scherzer. Like I get Scherzer, but still, you're trading away Trey Turner for that. That dude is a top three shortstop, second baseman, whatever position, top three infielder <laughs> in Major League Baseball, right? <laughs> like you can put him at short and second base, and he'll be top three. He's that good especially offensively. I mean, he's hit for the cycle three times in his career. Come on. Like, no, yeah, I, I would have been that, that blew me away. And I I'm not a fan of the, of the, of the Nats, but right. It, it, objectively looking at it, they still had, I mean, outside of Rendon, they had that 19 team still. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. And I would be really upset if I was a Nats fan for sure, because it, they just gave up on the season at that point and not just gave up on this season. They gave up on next season as well uh you know you still got Juan soto which is an excellent centerpiece but as we know baseball is not a one-man sport Juan soto is not going to win you world series by himself as as close as he can get you there um batting 340 you know (laughs) and and being on the verge of on on the verge of being an mvp he'll do everything he can to get you there but he's not gonna be able to do it by himself because that's just how baseball works so That's yeah, that was crazy. That was a big surprise. I didn't even think about that until you said it, though, Um, because my biggest surprise, honestly, was the Giants the entire season. And I've said this a bunch of times this year. I'm I just kept saying I'm waiting for them to fall off. I'm waiting for them to fall off. And they didn't until the ALDS when they played the Dodgers. And even then it took seven games and a really crappy call or sorry, five games and a really crappy call to end their season. Oh, and here's the thing. The Giants made some smart moves at the trade deadline to enhance that team. I, I think getting getting Brian at the trade deadline from the Cubs during their fire, they're they're an unsurprising fire sale. Sorry, Denise. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um he it was a smart move to get him based on his his experience. Mm-hmm. Uh that that bo- that that boosted that team's abilities 
just mentally because he was there and he could help those guys get there. Yep. And I I can't believe either what the Giants have said about Chris Bryant. They weren't impressed with his defense in center field, right field, and the third base, and they don't think his swing is going to age well. To me, that's like justifying breaking up with with a girl who's like awesome. <laughs> you know, like her ponytail some days is like a little bit off, and then like I don't think she's going to age well. It's like, dude, twenty years she's going to be bomb. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're going to be at your high school reunion, and be like, why? What did I do? <laughs> I mean, the rumor I'm hearing is he's going to end up with the Phils. That would be cool. Him, um, him and Sterling Marte are the, are the big gets for the Phils is the rumor I'm hearing. Oh, my gosh. I want Sterling Marte so bad in Seattle. Like, I know that that Seattle outfield, I've said it a lot, is getting super crowded with, like, talent and potential and everything. But I feel like if that team's going to win the World Series – in 2023 like i think they do uh they might need to bring in they might need to bring in a vet and i think Marte could be one of those guys because that dude is consistent and all he does is hit he's so good he he was awesome he balled out with the a's well if it makes you feel better in two years after he's been with the phils and his swing falls off and and philadelphia's completely disgusted with him he's gonna go get signed by the mariners and have a career season and no he'll that, forget how to hit when he goes works. to seattle everybody forgets how they how to hit when they get to seattle i don't know what it is it's weird but this is like the hating on our own team episode that's really what it's become (laughs) it's this is it's like it's such like the it's the weirdest thing like adrian belt adrian beltray came to seattle i believe it was from la from the dodgers and he straight up forgot how to play baseball like like he was a fine third baseman, he was a decent hitter, but he was not the guy he was who before he got there. Jack Wilson, who was a really good defensive third baseman, got to Seattle and hit like a buck twenty-five for an entire year. And I was walking around college like every single day, be like, "What's Jack Wilson doing playing third base <laughs> for the Mariners when I could go play the same level of defense that he is and hit a buck twenty-five? and make the league minimum like they'd be paying me less that'd be a bargain for them like what's going on you know it's like it's so upsetting that dude forgot how to hit in like such a way he did sean figgins ended his career in seattle because he forgot how to play baseball god that's a name i haven't heard in ages after having been a borderline all-star in anaheim jeez unreal what happened god i have it that's a flashback name. I'm sorry. That's what I'm saying, man. He went to Seattle and disappeared because he forgot how to play baseball. That is a thing that happened there. The only guy who I can think of who got to Seattle and was equally as good when he was there and then continued to be great after he left was Gene Segura. Yes. Well, Gene the hitting machine. Segura's base running mistake that cost McCutcheon a season with the Phils notwithstanding. Well, <clears throat> he was never the best base runner, but the dude could hit he's been uh, he's been a joy to watch he's frustrating sometimes but overall he's been consistent with the fills and i have mm-hmm. no complaints about him uh, that's that's always that was always my thing with him is that he was consistent and you knew he was gonna get on base when you need when you needed him to and actually he did really well in the leadoff spot a couple times mm-hmm. this season and maybe that's where it, if they get Marte, that's who's probably going to be leading off but gene's just as good yeah yeah, I'd, I'd be down with either of those guys. Um, but D. Gordon, another guy. Anyway, so <laughs> there's like a list, right? There's a whole list. Anyway, so um, so those are our surprises. You had the Nats. I had the Giants. Was there a letdown? What was your biggest letdown this season? <laughs> the NL East? <laughs> I mean, I, could, was I a, could... It was supposed to be a competitive division, right? It was supposed to be the division to watch, and it became... <laughs> it went from must-see TV to like... Saturday night, prime well, no, time so here's that no thing. one cares about. <laughs> it was a division to watch because it was so close. <laughs> you didn't know who was going to win it. I was paying close attention to the NLEs at the end of the season because I was like, okay, now everybody's still in this. Nobody's going to win 90 games, but everybody's still in this. They're in the mix here. Here we go. Yeah, Everyone was in the mix because they were that bad. There's, <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. That's like, what I'm I, saying. I'm legitimately surprised the Braves rode that hot streak to win the World Series. Because that they weren't even over 500 at the trade deadline, which they one tells you the... tells you how bad the Mets tanked, how bad the Phils tanked, 
because both of those teams were in first place. I'll beat the Phils for a week and the Mets for most of the first half. Mm-hmm. That and look at the money the Mets spent in the offseason to just met the bed and boo their <laughs> own fans. The <laughs> <laughs> and during the season, they spent money to met the bed. <laughs> they continued to do that. Um, so about your fills, though, man. So I think I told you about this, that I went to um, a game where the Phillies were in town here, right? When they're playing the D-backs. Oh, you, and I you went... mean where they took where they lost five of seven? To the Dude, D-backs. I, they got swept by the D-backs, and I was confused. Um, so I went I went because I wanted to see Bryce Harper play. Like That's specifically why we got those uh, $10 Tuesday tickets for that week because I wanted to watch Bryce Harper. I'm a big Harper fan. And he hit a home run in like the fifth inning, and I looked at Wilson, my son. I was like, well, we can go now if you're ready. <laughs> I came yeah. and saw what I wanted to see. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but We ended up hanging out for a while. But anyways, now that Phillies team, I think I've said it, Again, I said it before that they, watching them play that game was so weird that there were all these guys, recognizable names, guys who I expected to just like go light this terrible D-backs team up and they couldn't do it. They never got into a groove in that the, game that it was like you just kept waiting for it to happen, but it never did. They they are such a Jekyll and Hyde team um, because they can play like contenders against the best baseball teams. And then they just look like the freaking Washington Generals playing the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> against the absolute worst teams in baseball. Like he's spinning the ball on his finger, just swatted out of his hand. Like, <laughs> sorry. No, I get it. I get it because you know what? So we were talking during the break about how That's the such Mariners a deep team... Simpsons reference, by the oh, way. That's, a good one. That's good. I like that. But so you and I, so for those obviously listening right now like Jason and I were talking between segments like during the break um, about the Mariners how they came really close to making the playoffs in 2016 but uh, I think it was that year that the Astros lost 100 games and I'm 99% sure that despite the Astros losing 100 ish games I think they won the season series against the Mariners that year a team that was like on the brink of the playoffs just could not beat this terrible Astros team. And that is where my hatred for the Astros comes from. Cause it wasn't just that year. It was plus or minus three on both sides <laughs> of, of that year. And it was just blew my mind. Absolutely insane. It seems like since Halliday pitched his no, no against the, the Marlins in 2010, that, the Phils have never been able to win a series against the Marlins. It seems like at least they'll win one and then they'll lose like three. Like the Marlins <laughs> are are the biggest thorn in their side, and the Marlins are always consistently one of the worst teams in baseball. But whatever. Yeah, which the is weird to me. You think weird. <clears throat> they are weird. They have their priorities out of whack. That the warm weather teams are not are generally not very good, uh, even though you'd think that guys would be wanting to go there, right? Like, I don't want to play in snow in in September or in April. Like, why are guys going, besides the history and the money, why are guys going to New York and Boston when if they go to Miami and they draw every game, they win a, they win a lot, they win a few World Series, that payroll will go up and it will become a more desirable destination, right? Like it's weird. So odd sidebar. How many, how many lifer twins fans do you think suddenly miss the Metro dome when they're sitting in April and there's snow coming down in the middle of a, of a twins game? (laughs) I honestly, like if I was a twins fan, I would have been furious that they didn't put a retractable roof on that place. Like, even if it's cold, you know, like in Seattle, the retractable roof is different there than it is anywhere else because uh, the D-backs and the Astros and I believe the Marlins basically there. And oh, I, and I know the Rangers, but when their roof comes on, it's like it creates like a self-contained box. Right. And Seattle, it's literally a retractable umbrella because you still have cross breezes that can come through. All it is is it's just a cover. Everything is still open. You can still see out right. into the city. Everything, um, it's it's just an umbrella. Everything else is a self-contained box, and so I'm surprised that they didn't at least do that. 
in Minnesota. That has always surprised me since they built that stadium because you've got to have some protection from the snow in April and probably in September too. (laughs) But uh, so in 2016, the, okay. So the Astros won 84 games that year, but uh, I guess it was 2013 when they lost 111. That's the one that I keep thinking of, but still, I don't think that the Mariners beat them like at all that year. Because they were terrible. They still, I know the Mariners didn't lose 111 games. They should have been beating them some of that time, but they weren't. But anyway, um, so letdown, right? That's where we are. Yeah. My biggest letdown. What's that? I said, we're on yours. (laughs) Okay. That's what I thought. Um, anyway, let's get back on track. Um, so my biggest letdown has got to be the Padres, the San Diego Padres. Because we were all expecting them with their pitching and Atis and Hosmer and Machado, expecting everybody to come through and for them to compete with the Dodgers at the very least. I would have expected them to be in the hunt with the Dodgers and Giants for most of the season, you know, instead of feeding into those 108, 109-win seasons that those team had those teams had. Um was really disappointed with the way things turned out for them. You know, and some of it was bad luck. Tatis had that shoulder injury that, that sidelined him for a, a considerable amount of time, right? Like he missed, he, he missed quite a bit of time and they ended up moving him out to center field, which kind of made sense. But I was kind of, the point that I made, I think it was, I think I had Denise on at the time. I was like, a guy who plays that like that, doesn't know how to slow down in the outfield. He's still going to die for balls. He's going to crash into the wall. He's still going to hurt his shoulder. Like you're not protecting him. You're putting him in a a difficult situation, especially in center field. And moving him to center field exposed some ego issues with him. Well, this, this is the thing is that. And it's something that we talked about when you were last on NASPOD. Yeah. Yeah, we, it did. And I don't think it was so much that as it was. Um, he, I mean, he was probably frustrated because a guy like that, like he's grown up his entire life and I'm sure baseball has been easy for him. Right. And then for him to go out to center field and not do well, that's got to be really frustrating, you know? So that's going to boil over like what we talked about on your podcast about him being frustrated, arguing balls and strikes. And he Machado got into it. Machado's like, it's not about you. It's about the team, you know, which, cause if he really was if he did have that big of issues with his personality and had that big of a problem in the clubhouse, he could have straight up told the manager, no, I'm not moving to center field. I am a shortstop. That is where you will play me. He makes enough money. He could have done that. And they could, and if they really got into it, they could have said, okay, then we will bench you. We will pay you to sit on the bench. You can come and pinch it. You can come pinch run because we could use your legs. But I think if it had been that big of an issue and he was really that selfish, that might've been what it came to. But I do feel like center field is the hardest of the outfield positions to play because you're watching the bat comes, the ball comes straight off the bat, right? right. That at least in right and left, there's a little bit more leeway that you can kind of tell like which way it's going on um, in right field. And it's a right-handed batter. You know, the ball is going to be tailing. So, you know, to play to your left a little bit, you know, um, based off where you think the ball is going to go. And same thing in left field. But anyway, um, guys who aren't natural outfielders or aren't even natural center fielders struggle at that position at the big league level. D. Gordon did it a couple years ago. The Mariners brought him in, and they said, we think you're athletic enough. You can do it. He couldn't. By the end of the season, Robbie Cano was suspended for PEDs. D. Gordon is back at second base. This year, Jared Kellenick, who is a natural corner outfielder, was put in center field. And there were a lot of growing pains for him for the Mariners. There were a lot of fans like, what's this guy doing? He's terrible. He stinks. Like, well, he's not a natural center fielder. He's a corner outfielder. And the Mariners know that. So they're forgiving those mistakes because just what's going to happen when the guy's right. in the position of the big league level. And so I think we saw that with Tatis. And I think he was frustrated, like I said, because he's one of those guys who baseball has always been easy for him. And I mean, even at the big league level, hitting big league pitching for him has been relatively easy. So I'm sure he was super frustrated by that. But anyway, for me, the the Padres overall, top to bottom, that was a major letdown. Well, I mean, there we still know that there's clearly issues somewhere in that team because you don't there fire are. the manager as quickly as they did, <laughs> unless there's issues in that team. 
and uh-huh. he just happened to be the guy taking the fall. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and they brought in Mob uh, Melvin, Bob Melvin, <laughs> right? Bob Melvin, and, <laughs> um, and I think I think he's going to turn that thing around. I think they're going to be back contending for the playoffs next year, despite any injuries that we see, because he's done an outstanding job with the A's for a decade. He's done awesome. That's true. That's true. true. All right, um, Jason, for you, biggest moments. What was the biggest moment for you this season? The Phil's finished over 500. I mean, that's there should be a parade right now because of it. I mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. I, I'm so cynical about my own team. I'm sorry. Um, we all are. We all are. <laughs> and then you let me host a podcast about them once a month. <laughs> um, and it's fantastic, by the way. Go check out the Philly Baseball Together podcast. He and Tori do an awesome job. Anyway, we definitely ahead. deviated about OJ Simpson on the last episode. So. <laughs> I know. I was laughing so hard. I don't even know how we got there anymore. It's been so long. Um, anyway, um, um, God, Trey Turner had that sweet slide at home against the Phils. Um, he looked like he was gliding on air the way he came home on that. Dude, slide. that dude is so smooth. <laughs> like, that was outstanding. That was that was so fun to watch. I watched that replay over and over and over again. In fact, I pulled up that Instagram video when I was coaching Little League in fall ball. And I was like, guys, this guys, this is like when you get really good, you might be able to slide like this. And I showed him <laughs> like, Whoa, that's so cool. Like, it is cool. He sat and watched like five times in a row. It was like a gif of it, I think, is actually what we watched. But um, yeah. as a Phil's fan, it was hard to have big moments to enjoy this year because there weren't a lot of big moments to enjoy this year. Um, I mean, Harper season alone was was something to enjoy, but it wasn't really a moment. It was it was just a season just continuing to be built upon with just great play. Um yeah, I got nothing because I'm a Phillies fan, man. <laughs> that was well, an awful it, question it is, to ask me. <laughs> it's funny to say that though, because they still finished over 500. Like yeah, they did. 80. Finally. <laughs> I mean, for me, for me as a Mariners fan, once we hit 80, once the Mariners hit 82 wins, I was like, boom, success, progression. There it is. That's what we want. But really, like for the Mariners this year, though, the the absolute biggest moment. For the Seattle Mariners, I would have to say, uh, came on one of the last few days of the season. Um, you know, the Mariners were were get were in that hunt in the AL wild card hunt for that second spot. Um, which is funny because this team, like, if they had not had such a terrible May and been no hit twice that month, they'd have made the playoffs. They were. Like, I mean, and and they. They were right there. As your friend, it, it hurt me to see them not make the playoffs. <laughs> I appreciate I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Um, but so it was, I got to find out exactly which game it was. Okay, so it was the second to last day of the season, Saturday, October 2nd, um, against the Angels. The Mariners ended up winning that game 6-4. to four, um, But there was a specific play, and this was legit, man. Like, legitimately the biggest play of the Mariners season because it, it kept it alive. Like the Mariners were down. Looks like the score was, it was three to four. Okay. Yeah, it was three to four. The angels were up with two outs. And actually this is one of the funny things. You've got former Mariner, Steve Ciszek on the mound facing Mitch Haniger in a full count with the bases loaded. Haniger singles through the second, through the shortstop and third base hole. And Jake Bowers and JP Crawford come in and score. The Mariners go up five to four, ended up winning the game six to four. And uh and that other run was was driven in by the very next batter, happened to be Kyle Seeger, one of his one of the last things he did as a Mariner, um, to seal the deal there. But that moment right there with Mitch Haniger, after everything he's been through the last like three years, he didn't play at all last year because he had a back issue, and then he missed a good chunk of the 2019 season because he fouled the ball off and ruptured a testicle. Like that is a terrible reason to miss baseball. (laughs) 
like terrible reason That's to miss a anything. Painful reason to miss baseball. Yeah, incredibly. And so, like, like he said that uh, if you haven't seen it, he wrote a great article for the Players Tribune about his struggle coming back and about the team and everything. In fact, I think I will. I'll pull it up again. I'll put the link in the description. It should be down there for you now. Um, check it out because it's really good. It is a great article put together by a guy who has always been liked by the fans, but this season got to be a fan favorite because he was the one who stepped up late in the season and was driving in the production that the team needed. Um, Jared Kellenick came through in September was the best hitter out of all, out of all the rookies in the American league in September. But it was like, he was so low that like going up wasn't really that much, you know, it wasn't that far to go, but Hanniger was the guy who kept this thing going. He was the, one of the vocal leaders in the clubhouse and he's not really known for that. So he's somebody who, like I said, got to be a fan favorite in a really short amount of time after being somebody who was well liked. And this moment right here was like the time that it's like, okay, Hanniger is going to be the guy. He's going to be the new captain. He's going to be the one to lead this team to the world series. And it was because of that moment is outstanding. It was huge for Mariners fans. Just enormous. I just got to chime in here quick, uh, real personally for me, my biggest moment was just going to a game. Yeah. I mean, I, n- no, no hyperbole. When I say I got choked up walking into citizens bank stadium, mm-hmm. that that's my biggest moment as a fan this year was just getting back to a game. Yeah. I think it was for just about all of us. So we kind of lucked out in 2020 because we were down here going to spring training um, literally right before COVID hit. So it was like we got home and then within two days it was all shut down. Like uh, we gave, I specifically remember Wilson and I, my son, we, we gave kind of like a spring training trip report in our first episode back. And previous, previously, like at the beginning of the episode, we were talking about, like I mentioned that it felt like the snap from Avengers uh, Infinity War. Yes. Because everything was gone. You don't know when it's coming back, if or when, because there's so many unknowns. And this year, getting to walk into it, and then, you know, we moved down here from Idaho, we moved down to Phoenix. And I was like, man, this is really like upsetting because we live like 15 minutes from Chase Field. So the plan was, when we move, let's go to a bunch of baseball games. <laughs> well, we can't, you know. And so, so here we are, here we were this year. Spring training came rolling around again this year, and tickets were so hard to get. We somehow got in the window. We got tickets. We got to go to a spring training game, and my son didn't quite grasp it, you know. Like he had been going to school hybrid, like online then hybrid and everything up to that point. Um. So he so he kind of knew what was going on, but he didn't really it didn't really click. And me walking through the stadium, and I told him I was like I was like Wilson, I was like we have to watch the first pitch. I was like I don't care where, if we're at the playground, I don't care what we're doing. I was like we have to watch the first pitch. He's like okay, Dad, you know. And just like watching that first pitch being thrown live for me, I was like man, like it's unreal, it's crazy. And then Brig was in town, and we and he took me to the game when the Cubs were here. It was right after the All Star break. And it was my first time in a big league stadium since 2015. Wow. So that was awesome as well. That was a really cool thing that like he kind of, so he liked, he wanted to go walk around. I was like, no dude, I just want to sit in my seat. I haven't gotten to watch a regular season big league (laughs) game in a long time. And so he's a little, I could tell he's a little bugged by that, but it was fine. You know, it it worked out. It was, it was, it was was awesome for us. I don't regret, like, I didn't regret rolling our tickets from 2020 into 2021. And I'm so glad I did because we had awesome seats. Um, mm-hmm. I got to take my dad to a game. And he's not a Phillies fan, but he used to go to Phillies games because we're from Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was cool to take him to his first game at Citizens Bank Park. He's never been there before. That's cool. Um take my daughter for the first time since she was one to a Phil's game. Like that's awesome to see Wheeler pitch a complete game was just like the icing on the cake that day. That's so cool. And I think you're right though. Like I think for a lot of us, that is the biggest moment of the season was just getting to get back in the stadium, just getting to go after 
a year of not getting, not being able to, and not really knowing when we were going to again. It was, and it's something that it's like we didn't realize we needed until we didn't have it. Right. We took it for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny too, because um, we, you know, we lived in, in Utah and Idaho for a lot of years and the only time we would go to games is when we went up and visited my dad. And I take that back. It was October, 2016. I was at the game when the Mariners got eliminated from postseason contention in the 2016 season. So oh. I'm sorry. That was the last time I went. <laughs> it's brutal. <laughs> it's a brutal game, but, um, but still, I mean, at that point it had been almost five years and I had never in my life gone five years between big league games. So that was, that was a pretty big deal. It was, it was really cool to get back. But uh, but baseball family, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. That is our wrap up for the 2021 <laughs> season, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, but let us know. We want to hear from you. What were some of your surprises, some of your letdowns? What was the biggest moment for you? Was Did you get to go to a game this year? And did you get to have that just outstanding experience getting back to a stadium after having not been able to for an entire season? Uh, was there anything else that stood out to you about the season? Let us know. You can jump in the mailbag. There's a link in the doobly-doo down below. Or you can go to baseballtogether.com. It's always in the navigation. If you prefer, you can leave us a voicemail. There is a link in the description of every episode to do that as well. And with that, don't forget to hop on the shop. That's right. I said it. Hop on the shop. I said it once again. Um, Where we have lots of awesome stuff. Jason is repping our 9 Plus Us logo hat tonight. Awesome, Jason. That's the flex fit, right? It is the flex fit, yeah. Flex fit. I've got my Heather Gray perfect hat with my uh, Heroes Get remem- Remembered But Legends Never Die uh, Heather Blue t-shirt. Uh, super comfortable. I love this shirt. It's outstanding. It's the shirt my wife stole from me that I've never worn after wearing it once. So There you go. <laughs> there you go. And the wives only steal the most comfortable shirts. Am I right? <laughs> shirts, hoodies, you know. <laughs> yeah. So hop on uh, 9plusus.com, N-I-N-E-P-L-U-S-U-S.com. We have sweatshirts and we have hoodies getting you ready for the cold season. Um, I'm probably going to be getting one here pretty soon, even though I'll only wear it for like two months. But that's neither here nor there. But anyway, baseball family, thanks you, thank you again for joining us. Also, Jason, thank you so much for joining me again this Always. week. Really appreciate it. Always. You know I'll jump in. Appreciate you. And with that, baseball family, we will catch you next week. Thank you.